Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Warning. The Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Look at the British Labor Party. I mean, we're, we're like talking about he, people voting from jail cells, all right? We're talking about not having a border. I, I, I mean... Come on, people. Everyday people are out there struggling. We're trying to get votes. I don't want the Democratic Party of the United States to be the Labor Party of the United Kingdom. We're losing our damn minds, says James Carville, unloading on the Democratic Party. Longtime Democratic strategist who I long ago said was a combination, let's say a mixture between half man and half lizard. He's making sense. He said he's scared to death of the 2020 election. He actually knows what's going on. He said 18% of the population controls 52 Senate seats. And he says the urban core is not going to get it done. What we need is power. Do you understand that's what it's about? And uh, he went on a diatribe on MSNBC. Took particular aim at the, the communist Bernie Sanders, who he fears could lead the party to defeat in November. And Carville's lament distills a concern among the Democratic Party's establishment, which is that the ideological purity test that is playing to the psychopathic base is liable to cost the Democrats victory in November. Of course it will. And then he went on and uh, he gave an interview and he said, look, the turnout in Iowa in the caucus was below what we expected. And Trump's approval rating as high as it's ever been. He sees the truth. Apparently the bartender is running the party, not this man who knows the political game. And then he talks about what the Democrats are doing wrong. And I'll just summarize it for you. He said, we have candidates on the debate stage talking about open borders and decriminalizing illegal immigration. They're talking about doing away with nuclear energy and fracking. You've got Bernie Sanders talking about letting criminals and terrorists vote from jail cells. He said, it doesn't matter what you think about any of that or if there are good arguments. He said, it's not how you become a majoritarian party. Big word, majoritarian, like it. So then you got the communist, Bernie, pulling the wool over the eyes of the morons, sitting there in rapt attention as the communist continues to dazzle them with ideas that are as old as Bernie's dead great-grandfather. And the idiots sit there like he's the second coming. He is the second coming of Karl Marx. It's been tried before. It destroyed a nation and most of the world. But there he is, the communist imposter, getting away with stealing the... Uh, Democrat Party out from under the feet of the establishment itself, which in a way is kind of laughable. If Sanders could steal the election from the other Democrats anyway, but they say that right now, uh, this guy from uh, whatever his name, I, I can't pronounce his name. I'm not trying to be smart with the name, but again, I can't pronounce his name. The name alone is enough to stop him from getting to the presidency. If you can't pronounce a man's name, it's like branding. Anyone in the branding business knows if you have a brand name that doesn't work, the brand never goes anywhere. Do you understand that this guy, Pete, is a product of the media? Do you understand he's only a product of the media? Do you understand it's all he is a product of the media? Do you understand why he's a product of the media? Which leads me to a question that I realize may be taken in the wrong context. But was America ready for its first black president was asked when Obama ran. Do you remember the question? Do you remember we were allowed to ask the question? The answer was yes. Then Hillary ran. Was America ready for its first uh, a female president? The answer was no. And it wasn't about her being a female. It was about her. I could vote for a female president. If there was a Lady Thatcher running, I could vote for her. But we didn't want to vote for her, for her. But they were ready for a woman president. They were ready for a black president. Are they ready for a gay president? 
I don't know. What do you think about that? Is America ready for its first gay president? Looks like he's winning in Iowa. I mean, they, you know, winning in Iowa. The whole thing is rigged. It's like a pinball machine that they lift it up and they're tilting. They're winning. Bernie's winning in Iowa. That's why they told you they don't know the results. The communist won in Iowa. But what does Iowa matter anymore? It's an irrelevancy. This goes back to the age of the horse and buggy Iowa. Why are we still paying attention to Iowa and New Hampshire? Tonight is another dog and pony show, another debate. Who's going to watch it? After all that we've been through, after this great speech by President Trump, is anyone going to really watch these clowns tonight? Yeah, people in politics and the media. Okay. But I'll ask you again, is America ready for its first gay president? Uh, you want to comment on it? Does he have a chance on winning the damn nomination? And while we're talking about that, can you tell me what red and blue America see eye to eye on? Is there anything that red and blue America still see eye to eye on? What would that be? I would suppose it's national security, but even that issue is clouded now. Do you realize how crazy the Democrat Party has become? That 44 House Democrats, including the crazies, uh, Ilan Omar and occasional Cortex, want to pass a bill called the New Way Forward Act. And what that would be, eliminate illegal aliens uh, completely. In other words, eliminate the idea of an illegal alien. They want to make them all legal, all of them. In fact, they want to go even further. And they want immigrants who commit serious crimes, uh, such as robbery, fraud, or other, even child sexual abuse, which uh, today they must be deported under Trump, regardless of the sentence they receive. Do you realize they want to legalize that? They want to eliminate all deportation, including that of child sexual abusers. Can you believe that? So the uh, new law that they're pushing forward, the New Way Forward Act, is totally crazy. It would have... It would abolish all existing enforcement against illegal immigration. It would basically eliminate ICE. And we would now have a country run by illegal aliens and the drug gangs. That's the Democrat Party's thrust today. And so the elders of the Democrat Party are freaking out. Obama, who's now a powerful, wealthy man, he was always a powerful man, but now he's a super wealthy man, probably a billionaire. I'm sure that Obama's fortunes have risen near a billion dollars. I know he got a hundred million. It was allegedly a hundred million dollars for a book deal from him and Michelle. Then they got over a hundred million dollars in a Netflix deal. They owned a bunch of houses while they were still in office, three mansions. I would say that their wealth is probably in the five hundred million dollar range, five hundred million to a billion. God knows what else he skimmed in. Do you think he wants to give his money up to the crazies to disperse it to the illegal aliens? Nah, I don't think so. Well, that's just, you know, the political side of the show tonight on the Savage Nation or today, whenever you're listening to it. And uh, it looks to me that if things stay the way they are, it's going to be Trump by a landslide, as I said to you the other day, as it should be. Pope Francis calls for global wealth redistribution. Now, I was the first one with the guts and brains to call him a, uh, I didn't call him a Marxist. In, in my book, Government Zero, I called him Lenin's Pope. Do you understand who this bouncer is? Now, I know this may be considered offensive to Catholics from the old school Catholicism, but this guy is a complete fraud. In fact, this pope is to the Catholic Church what, Oba what uh, um, Bernie Sanders is to the Democrat Party. Bernie Sanders is a naked Marxist. The pope is a na naked Leninist. Now, I pointed it out in Government Zero. Do you finally agree with me? The pope is calling for a global wealth tax. Now, I would believe that if this Pope were honest, he would begin by selling off some of the assets of the Vatican. I myself will repeat my very generous offer of $10 million for the Sistine Chapel ceiling. I'll even have it removed at my own expense. I say, Mr. Pope, if you really want global wealth redistribution, I, Michael Savage, am offering $10 million right now for the Sistine Chapel ceiling, and I'll pay to have it removed and move to San Francisco, where I'll install it somewhere and, uh, and such, because I think it's worth a lot more than $10 million, Mr. Pope, and that would go a long way towards helping all of your favorite causes. And while you're at it, Mr. Pope, why don't you sell off some of the assets of the Catholic Church? Why don't you begin by selling off your private jet, which uh, belches out a lot of carbon dioxide as you fly around 
dispensing your Leninism, Mr. Pope. How can modern Catholics not see through this man? Well, again, let's move on to another topic since I mentioned belching out carbon dioxide. The other day, I watched a PBS documentary on the polar ice caps, and I kind of knew where it was going to go, but it was so well produced. And as a trained scientist with a real earned doctorate from a great university, I was fascinated by the science they were presenting, and I was open-minded because one of the one of the marks of a, of a trained scientist is to retain an open mind. And I have an open mind on the issues that surround us, including the issues of a temperature change on the planet. I may disagree with the establishment core that it's based upon man's uh, effluences of carbon and such, although I'm an ardent, ardent uh, conservationist and have been all of my life. And I I would disagree with them that we have to modify our entire lifestyles in order to save the planet. I don't think it's quite as drastic as they are presenting. But I watched the PBS documentary. Did anyone see it? Anyone listening to the show actually see that one? On the the polar ice caps and how we're all going to drown soon. And how there's going to be palm trees in Antarctica if we're not careful. And how do you explain hippos in the hills of Utah and all of that? Well, I've, I've faced this issue a long time ago. And I've thought about it in great detail. I've studied all of the issues uh, surrounding the whole issue of climate change from a scientist's point of view, not from a politician's point of view. And I have to tell you, to just use the argument that those on the conservative side use are stupid. That's why we're losing the argument. If we're going to let people who have never graduated high school or only went to law school and have no scientific background whatsoever to continue to disseminate The falsehoods that the right wing is putting out about climate change, we're going to lose the argument as we already are losing the argument. And if we're going to continue to decimate the public lands as Trump is doing, we're going to lose the argument again. As much as I support President Trump, I do not support everything President Trump does. And he knows it. He even said to me when he invited me on Air Force One, he looked at me. And he said certain things to me, which I can't repeat. And I said, no, you're wrong on those issues. And you can't let those in the industrial world control every decision you make because they're going to they're going to destroy the earth and they're going to destroy your presidency. Even if you win again, they'll destroy your your legacy. I said that. And one of the things President Trump admires about Michael Savage is my willingness to express the truth. I'm not a yes man. Neither is he. And also, I'm not looking for anything from him. I don't want anything from him. I'm not trying to buy anything from him. So I want to talk about the issue of climate change today. In fact, in the next hour on the Savage Nation, you're not going to want to miss the debate we're going to have on this issue with a leading individual who does not believe uh, in the whole fantasy of climate change caused by man. But I, I'm not so sure that he's 100% right. In fact, I'm not so sure that either side is 100% right. What about you? Back in a minute on The Savage Nation. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. You know, when emergencies strike, earthquake, tornado, terrorism, weather condition, what do you see? News stories of long lines of people on empty store shelves. Well, there's no need for you to be part of that chaos and the possibility of having to deal with FEMA food lines. Those who know what's coming are using today to prepare. Please make a plan as well. I already have by building an emergency food supply, and I trust and use my Patriot Supply. You see, they're experts in emergency preparedness and have guaranteed two-day delivery. Disasters won't wait for you. Neither should you wait. This week, save $70 on a two-week emergency food kit. When you go to my special website, which is preparewithsavage.com, it's simple, preparewithsavage.com. My Patriot Supply food kits last up to 25 years in storage. 25 years in storage, and they include breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. Order a few today and receive guaranteed two-day delivery discreetly to your door. Please take action so you're ready for what's coming and save $70. Those that know what's coming are preparing today. Go to preparewithsavage.com. You can keep them in a dark closet, in a cool, dark closet. You don't need a special storage area. Please listen to me. Go to preparewithsavage.com. Be prepared. 
by going to preparewithsavage.com. I want to talk for a minute about climate change. Now, there's so much I have to say, and here's the problem with talk radio. What I have to say about Emmanuel Velikovsky, Earth and Upheaval, Worlds in Collision, and how it influenced me in the 1950s, and what it has to do with the whole theory of climate change would take me probably three hours to do, at least three hours. And I can't do it in, in, the, in the compressed time I have right now. It's compressing my mind. It's compressing my consciousness. To squeeze it in between screaming and commercials and jingles. I mean, I'm really not born for this. At the end of the day, as good as I am at this, I'm in the National Radio Hall of Fame. I've made a great career in talk radio. Do you think I'm really made for this? I'm really made to be a philosopher. That's who I am. I'm not made to be. I am a philosopher. I'm a poet. I'm a scientist, philosopher. I'm an artist. But I also know what evidence is. So back in the 1950s, actually it was in the 60s that I read his work. I read Velikovsky's work. Look up Emmanuel Velikovsky, Earth and Upheaval and Worlds in Collision. And he, he, you know, the word phrase, he blew my mind. He just upset the equilibrium of my order of the universe. Because he said, how do we explain the skeletons of hippopotamuses in Utah? See, now this goes to the PBS series. They say it's because of global warming and that we've not had this level of carbon dioxide uh, in, the, in the atmosphere since uh, uh, the Pleistocene, and we're going to be flooded, the ice caps are going to melt. Their evidence is clear, and the way they look at the evidence is interesting, but it's wrong. Their conclusions are wrong, is what I'm saying. Velikovsky argued that the reason you find the bones of hippopotamuses in, in the mountains of New Hampshire is not because of global warming and rising and, and falling sea levels, but because of catastrophic events in the celestials. There were catastrophes in the geological record that are explained not by gradual Darwinian means and such, but that the extinction of many species that we see in the geological evidence occurred as a result of catastrophes on a global scale. And so, we all have collective memories of this through legends, myths, history of ancient cultures. And Velikovsky appointed to uh, concordances in the accounts of many cultures. I remember seeing this, oh my God. And they're all referring to the same real events. For example, the memory of a flood, Noah's Ark recorded in the Hebrew Bible. But the same time is described in the Greek legend of Deucalion. It's described in India in the Manu legend. And Velikovsky put forward the idea the psychoanalytical idea, he was a, um, an MD psychiatrist from Russia, of cultural amnesia as a mechanism whereby mankind regards these as mere myths and legends, not as something real. Now, maybe that's a little too much for a medium that's compressed between jingles for hair loss and uh, impotence, but God has given me the wonderful medium of talk radio to reach a far greater audience than I could in a university. So let's let's stick with this for a while. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Hey, here's a question. How did you sleep last night? Did you spend the night tossing and turning, worrying? Now look, if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a purple mattress. The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds, wheelchairs, well, in 2016, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create Purple, the world's most scientific mattress. Now, what does that mean? How is Purple different from other mattresses? Listen, the Purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced. Why? Because it uses the brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It was not like the memory foam that I'm used to or you're, you're used to. No, no. The purple material feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the very same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable. Unlike foams, it's breathable so it sleeps cool. It ends up giving you the zero gravity-like feel so it works for any sleeping position. Okay, 100-night risk-free trial. You're not satisfied? You can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free at-home setup, old mattress removal. You ready? You're going to love purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. 
That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text SAVAGE to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to do this. You ready? Text SAVAGE to 84-888. That's S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. Text S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. Message and data rates may apply. It is the Savage Nation. You know how many topics I've thrown out already? Uh, you want me to stay simplistic? I could. Or we can continue to do whirling dervishes here and lose the audience. I'm not trying to pull your chain. I'm not trying to put you down. But I'm trying to raise you up. Because if we just get mired in the Dem Republican and Trump is great, Trump is evil. It's the death of talk radio, the death of the human mind, as far as I'm concerned. And I don't want to do it. I mean, there are others who do it much better than I can do it. So I want to talk about climate change. I want to talk about is, is it something we should really be worrying about? And I introduced Velikovsky, his ideas that it was uh, based upon all of these fossil record anomalies that were pointed out, for example, in the PBS series. Uh, on the polar ice caps, could be explained by factors other than man is destroying the planet, which is not to argue that I don't think we should reduce pollution. Of course we should. In fact, I've probably done more to save the environment than most of the environmentalists over my lifetime, uh, as you well know. You know, back in 1975, I traveled America over a two-year period, and I wrote a book called Plant a Tree. Uh, it's interesting that Trump came up with the idea of planting millions of trees to capture some of the excess carbon in the atmosphere. But there's a problem with that. It's a great idea. I mean, I wrote a book called Plant the Tree. I'm going to send it to the president very shortly because it's a state-by-state, city-by-city plan of which trees to use, how to plant them, based upon the experts that I interviewed at the time. So believe me, I've been into this whole field of environmentalism or conservatism or cons- conservationism, whichever way you want to put it, for a very long period of time. And I don't need a left to to, uh, lecture me on the subject. But, I mean, facts are facts. So let's go back to the facts of the simple questions. Is America ready for its first gay president? Let's make it simple. It's more interesting in a way. It's Rock and Roll Friday. Uh, Do uh, What do red and blue America see eye to eye on? These are good questions. And I'd like the answers from you, the audience, on all these topics. And uh, I'll take them in the order in which you're holding Michael in San Francisco, line one. What do red and blue agree on, Michael? How are you? Please, just answer the question. Let's not get personal. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, there's a very uh, few very significant points on which red and blue America agree. The first significant one that I would bring up is we agree that rich people and large corporations should pay higher taxes. Rather- okay, let's pause for a minute. Let's discuss it. I am, by definition, a rich person. I should pay more taxes than I do? Yes. Why? You, I, I took the money from you? Uh, no, I'm, I'm wealthy, too. I, not Michael, not as wealthy as you, but I would also pay higher taxes. You asked- but, wait, wait, Michael, let's discuss this rationally. I was born poor to an immigrant family. Every penny I've earned, I have earned on my own. I have paid my fair share of taxes. I've had my birthright stolen from me by affirmative action. I have paid through the nose on my taxes. Why should I pay more? Well, because the masses of, of Americans believe that we've gone too far in cutting taxes on wealthy people and corporate. Well, the masses of Americans may be wrong. The masses of Americans are just jealous losers. Well, you didn't ask me... <laughs> You ask me. You ask me what red and blue America agree on, and I'm telling you. Well, I'm not so sure that taxes. I'm not sure the masses agree on that, but they also agree on other things uh, that you may find to be troublesome. Uh, if you were to say the masses could be swayed to believe that white men should not have the right to vote, it could be that with the the vote the way it's been uh, set up by the illegal aliens and such, they could vote on a mandate that white men should not vote. Would that be would that be would that be right or constitutional? 
Uh, it certainly would not be, but the notion that there are millions of illegal aliens voting in our elections is a fantasy. No, it isn't. It you have a fantasy that they're not voting. Why then would the Democrats be fighting so hard to make sure there's no voter ID? What, what sense does that make other than to make sure that illegal aliens vote? Well, I don't think that Democrats are fighting uh, in general. Yes, they are. Every time a state had a ballot initiative demanding voter ID, it was the Democrats who fought against it. Uh, under Nancy Pelosi, by the way, why would they want illegal aliens to vote? You say there are none. none. You say there are, it's, it's insignificant. I would argue it's very significant. How, how, how do you know who the person is when you go to a voting booth? All the years I voted here in the Bay Area, I have noticed line upon line of people. And they will not accept ID when I try to present. They say, oh, no, no, we don't want to see it. All the nice old ladies there, all of the do-gooders. But I think we're getting distracted. Let's talk about taxes for a minute. Uh, what should my tax rate be in California? Right now, it's 15%. Is that, is that too low? I'm, I am not qualified to debate what the exact rates ought to Do be. Do you realize how many people like myself are fleeing California because of the criminals who are running the state? who are ripping them off. How is it the state of Florida could have zero taxation or New Hampshire zero taxation and still function as states while this criminal state charges 13 to 15%? That's on top of federal tax. How is that possible? Where's the money going? Uh, the roads are broken. The bums are all over the streets. Uh, where is the money going? They're stealing it. Don't you understand that? No, I don't think that they're stealing it. I think there are certainly inefficiencies, but I also think... You don't think they're stealing it? Have you seen the Mohammed Nuru case? Are you aware of the Mohammed Nuru scandal in San Francisco? Uh, I'm aware that there is a scandal. I don't remember the details of it. Well, of course, because the Nun newspaper won't let you see that it leads all the way up the Democrat feeding uh, chain. Mohammed Nuru is a scandal that is equal to one of the greatest scandals in American political history. And it shows you where the stolen money is actually going. Uh, bid rigging, uh, paying off politicians to make certain that certain things get built or don't get built. Uh, the money is stolen. 20% of all the money that's stolen goes to the politicians. Everybody knows that. So I think we pay not only our fair share, those of us who earn a good living, but we pay far too much in this state. And I'm talking about the state of California where you live. You, do you pay state taxes at all? Of course I do. Like I said, I come from a very high net worth uh, household here in San Francisco. So I'm did, aware. Did you earn it or did you inherit the, the net worth? I, in, I uh, earned every penny of it. No, no. I heard you say I in. I heard you say I in. Oh, no. I said I my wife and I both work in tech. We both make very good living. All right, good. All right, so I'm going to take you on your word. And you want to pay more money. Uh, I would be fine seeing my... So why don't you just pay more money? Why don't you just contribute a good portion of what you're not paying enough of to the poor or to some homeless shelter or whatever? Why do you want to tell me that I should pay more money when I don't want to? First of all, it's unconstitutional to demand that a certain segment of the population pay a higher rate of taxes, incidentally. Well, if you want to unwind the Constitution to the degree where the income tax itself is illegal. It actually is illegal. It actually. Well, a graduated income tax is totally illegal. I believe I believe there should be a flat tax. Incidentally, what would be wrong with a flat tax of 15 percent for everyone? Do you know that a good percentage of population pays no taxes? Yes, I know. And so, so do some of our largest corporations. All right. Well, on the largest corporations, I think you have no argument from me. How is it? that a company like Amazon could pay only 1.5% of its income in taxes. How is that possible? Well, that our tax law is filled with loopholes and very wealthy laws. Well, so on that, we would agree 100%. Companies like Amazon, Google, uh, you name them, who are getting away with tax murder should be stopped immediately and pay retroactively. A thousand percent right. On that, you don't have to be a communist to agree. A thousand percent right. How does Amazon only pay 1.5% of its income in taxes? How is that possible? That, you know how it's possible? Absolutely crazy. They hire former IRS lawyers as lobbyists who spend their every day in Washington, D.C., paying off politicians to make sure they don't pay their fair share. Yep. So, I mean, I, you have no argument for me. And if Amazon paid its fair share, if Google paid its fair share, if Apple paid its fair share, uh, if Microsoft paid its fair share, if Twitter paid its fair share, if the tech giants paid their fair share, there would no need. There would be no need to rob more money from individuals like myself and make me leave the state. 
Well, Michael, you may well be right about those numbers. That is possible. At the highest level, the question is, and it's a question that every functioning democracy is constantly facing in the battle between left and right, is at what level should the most successful people in the country, which includes you, and to a lesser degree it includes me, and to a huge degree it includes these multi-billion dollar corporations, to what level should we collect taxes from them in order to fund social programs to protect the people who didn't do remotely as well? We're now. Wait, 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 where, where is it? Where is it written? Where is it written economic- that I wait? Where is it written that I have to protect the individuals that didn't do as well? Where is it written in the Constitution that I have to do that? It's not. It's a- well, I'm glad you admitted that. Faces and so therefore, it's un-American to steal from me. Therefore, it's un-American to steal to me from me to give it to some bum who lives in a cardboard box because he's a junkie. Well, I did. I didn't make the junkie live in the cardboard box. I didn't force the guy to stick the needle in his arm. Of course not. Well, so why should I take care of him? How much more money do I have to give him? And moreover, when I was a poor white man with a PhD and I was denied university jobs because of my race, my birthright was stolen from me to make sure that unqualified minorities took the positions that I was supposed to have. How about that? Who's going to compensate me for my losses? My 20 years of walking on on hot coals and crawling over glass to get where I am. I think that the society owes me money. By the way, I don't know the society another dime, but I'm glad we can agree on certain things and disagree on others. I think that's what makes for uh, the greatness of America, which is talk radio and the ability to discuss things. Uh, If they raise another dime in taxes in California, people like me are going to leave this state. More of us will leave than ever. We will move out of here and you'll say, good, go. You're wrong. Who will be left? Tell me who will be left. But I'm puzzled by certain things. How is it? This I really don't understand this. How is it that these uh, movie stars who make $20, $30 million a movie, how do they live in California? They're not paying 15% of their income in state taxes and federal, that's whatever the rate is. I don't even know what the rate may be. I, I kind of know the answers. They don't receive direct income. They set up dummy corporations which receive the money and such, and they pay them a minimum salary which just pays their uh, their costs. So... There are a lot of anomalies in the tax law that need to be fixed, and I don't think we're ever going to fix them in our lifetime. There's only one fix possible, and that is the great idea of a flat tax. Everybody pays 15% flat, and that would include Amazon. The corporate tax rate is far too low for them. In other words, the legitimate corporate tax rate is far too low to begin with in some ways, uh, but in other ways, it's far too high. And if Amazon and the others who are paying almost no taxes or minimal taxes were to pay their fair share, I think the whole thing would level out. What about you? The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. It is the uh, Savage Nation. You know how many different topics we're talking about? As many as you can imagine. Uh, let's see, where was I when I was on the air Wednesday? I had to take yesterday off <clears throat> for a reason. And I want to catch up on my tweets. Was Nancy Rip when she ripped the speech was popular? Should Adam Stiff and Jerry Knish continue to waste taxpayer funds on attacking our great president? Enough is enough. Is America ready for its first gay president? Uh, I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not going to say it because it'll lead to the jokes about his name. I would tell you again, in my opinion, no. Absolutely not. And we haven't brought up the issue of minority communities. They will not vote for him. This is the big, like, 400-pound gorilla about uh, Pete's uh, sexual orientation that nobody in the media will mention. Hispanic men are very macho. Uh, African-American men are extremely macho. Do you understand this? Do you understand the cultures? They won't tell you about them. They try to make believe that everyone's accepting of this and accepting. They're not accepting of it. They uh, don't accept it. But aside from that, what is the guy actually offering? If we can ignore his sexual orientation, even for a moment, what is this guy Pete actually offering? He's a complete and total product of the media. He's offering nothing. He doesn't have the right look for a president. He looks like howdy doody. That's number one. He has no gravitas to use an older phrase. Could you imagine that man on the world stage? Again, forget the sexual orientation. He looks like a, a marionette. He looks like Pinocchio. So forget the name and the sexuality. 
He's not going anywhere. They're just using him to make sure that the, the commie doesn't get the nomination. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Spans of the spoken word. Welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning. The Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. It is our number two of The Savage Nation. We're talking about climate change, social change, radio change, and the change in your pocket right here on The Savage Nation. Yeah, Mike, you have a way with words you can... You want to consider a career in talk radio? They used to say to me, I said, ah, come on. I have two master's degrees and a PhD, and I'm in other fields. No, no, Michael, you're very, very good at radio. You ought to consider it. Well, here we are, a quarter of a century later, and the ideas are quite interesting, actually, when you think about it. And now we're facing a big election again to save America one way or the other. Both sides are saying it again. Every election, it seems to me, both sides say the future of America, blah, blah, blah. You know, when I look back, it really is, it really is an election that's going to either save America or destroy it. Uh, I, I mean, objectively, Obama destroyed the country over eight years. He flooded America with illegal aliens. He purposely made sure that the Caucasian majority was diminished as quickly as possible. He remade America in his own image. He was a demon. Trump comes along as an alternative to what Obama had done to this country. I had a lot to do with Trump getting elected. I won't go into it again and again and again because I truly believe that the country would would dis- disintegrate, disappear, become a third world mess unless we had a strong leader who could fix the country. And he's done a great job so far economically. He's tried to stop the flood of illegal aliens, both on the border Uh, and uh, from nations where terrorism is endemic. He's done it. That's what he did, tried. And he was blocked at every turn by the established Democrat uh, judgeships. And he's remade America in his own image for the betterment of America, in my opinion. Now, I I realize that's a controversial statement because many people don't want America remade in the image of a, let's see, let's see if I can define Trump, uh, straight, heterosexual, married Christian male. They don't want America to look like that anymore. For whatever reason, they're racist. They just don't like straight white men. Uh, And particularly, uh, you know, married straight white men with children and grandchildren. They absolutely don't want that. They want anything but that. But even rational minorities who have made a life for themselves in America and done well love Trump. (laughs) Especially well-off minorities, they love Trump because they don't want to take it away from them. Do you know how many illegal, excuse me, how many people from south of the border I've met who love Trump? They'll vote for Trump again. Uh, the media won't tell you that. But then again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, I don't want to talk about the penguin and the pencil, Nadler and Schiff. I gave them a new nickname. The penguin and the pencil, Nadler and Schiff. Let's see if that sticks. As the last hour came to a conclusion, we were talking about climate change. The PBS show on melting polar ice caps, are they wrong? We'll continue discussing that. This hour, we're going to talk about is Mayor Pete, meaning Mayor Pete, is America ready for its first gay president? Again, contextually, you have to put it in context. Um, When Obama came along, people asked, are we ready for our first black president? So the answer was yes, and a lot of white people voted for him because he was a great con man, one of the greatest. He was the smoothest uh, Machiavellian I've ever seen in my life. He never got angry, never raised his voice, never insulted anyone. Think about it. This guy was a silk glove, you know, left winger and a good one at that from his point of view. And he did very well indeed, like all good liberals. The Obamas came to do good and they did very well indeed, like the missionaries to Hawaii who wound up owning 80% of the land. They came to do good and they did very well indeed, just like the Obamas did. They came to do good and they did very well indeed. 
In fact, by the time uh, after eight years in office, they had three mansions. No one noticed it. Uh, no one in the media seemed to notice that they acquired three mansions while in office. How did they do it on their salary? Well, you can't ask that question because the answer is obvious. Uh, it was called graft and corruption, but can't have that from the first black president. Doesn't fit the narrative. But then a white man comes along who's a rich white man filled with uh, rage, <laughs> filled with all sorts of things that we're not supposed to like anymore. In other words, he's a normal man. You pick on him, he's going to strike back. You run against him, he's going to crush you like a bug. He's a competitive New Yorker. I know what it's like. I grew up there. I've been competitive all my life, sometimes to the detriment of my own self. But if you're raised to be competitive, you can't suddenly end it because you want to be touchy-feely Marin County-ish and make believe you love everybody. They're full of crap anyway. Everyone who tells you that they're not, you know, they didn't get along and nice, they're trying to stick a knife in your back anyway. It doesn't mean you have to go out of your way to be an AH to people, nor you have to be antagonistic or angry every second. No, I didn't say that. But on the other hand, human nature is competitive to begin with. And if you don't believe it, just study nature, because all nature is competitive. I feed birds in San Francisco. San Francisco Bay. And they say birds of a feather flock together, which is nothing is truer in the whole world. So, for example, the gulls all hang out together. The penguins, all, the penguins, the uh, cormorants all hang out together. The uh, pelicans all hang out together. The ducks hang out together. It's beautiful to watch. So if I throw a piece of used bread into the bay, I usually throw three, four. I don't throw one. I don't like to create a feeding frenzy. I disperse them. And I watch what happens. Even if there are more pieces than there are birds, they'll fight over the same scrap. And here's the more interesting part about the seagulls. Let's say I'm in a place where I have 100 feet of uh, waterfront. I don't know what the amount is, 50 feet, 75 feet. So there's two seagulls who live on a neighbor's roof who watch me like seagulls will. And if I throw bread, not only will they go for the bread I throw out there, but they will prevent any birds from an adjacent area from getting any bread within their, their territory. It's called the territorial imperative. If you've studied ethology, you know that it's in the animal kingdom, including mankind. And that goes to politics as well, whether it's bread that we're fighting over or money that we're fighting over or power that we're fighting over. The same rules of nature will apply. It goes to Pelosi, power mad woman that she may be. She is just basically exhibiting the same territorial imperative. In her case, she's blown it, and she's no longer an, uh, a good battle, a good fighter for that cause of, of the left because she looks like she's crazy altogether, and she's not stable. A guy like Obama would do it a different way. He wouldn't look like a lunatic. He wouldn't rip up a speech because all it does is drive away people who are afraid of uh, a disorder. One thing about voters, I don't care whether they're left or right, undecided they don't like disorder they like order uh, and there's a good reason for it because a society cannot function in chaos a society can only function if there's order an orderly transition and so you go to the impeachment that was a disorderly attempt at a transition and the people knew it they knew something was wrong that a cretin like nadler uh, a nothing but a night school lawyer a ticket fixer from brooklyn could try to take down an election like this uh, or crazy Pelosi. It's one thing to try to regain power in a legitimate fashion. It's another thing to do it in a crazy fashion. So all they're doing is making sure Trump gets reelected again. So that brings us to the next thing, this, the clown show that tonight, another debate no one's going to watch. Anderson Cooper, a great, a great genius, Anderson Cooper, because he wears a skinny suit well and has clear glasses to make him look intelligent. The guy's a putz. Yet they hold him up as some role model of the media. Anderson Cooper, another one. Jake Tapper, another putz that they invented. These are all creations of the media moguls. They're nobodies. They're not particularly intelligent men. They read scripts. They're actors. All they are is Hollywood actors. So as such, the Hollywood actors will put on another uh, bad performance tonight with the, who do we have now tonight? Joe Biden finished, gone. Bye-bye, Joe. Joe's gone. Uh, Amy Klobuchar. I don't know about you, but uh, she looks like she runs bake sales in churches in the Midwest to me, not presidential material. Tom Steyer, a mean, horrible human being, a horrible meas kite. 
going nowhere. Elizabeth Warren, uh, you know what I think of her, a mean college professor, the worst type that there is on the planet. Andrew Yang, he, he, he yanged himself a long time ago. He's going nowhere. Bernie Sanders, of course, he's appealing because he looks like everyone's favorite uh, honest grandfather, but he isn't. He's the opposite of that. But a good con man at that. Then you have the Pete guy with the B last. Now, I can't pronounce it. Sorry, and I don't want to do any B jokes. Uh, now he's pushing the gay thing. He, he's decided to get in front of the whole gay issue because it, he was in uh, Iowa. And uh, apparently one of the corn people out there was told after she voted for him in the, in the caucus that he was gay. And, he, and she said, what? I want to take my vote back. So Pete's people said, let's get in front of the, uh, uh, the gay issue. And now let's sell it as something good. Now let's not apologize for being it. Now let's listen to Pete selling his sexual orientation in clip two. Everyone's story is different. But, but the thing I want people to hear is that, uh, that it gets better. And uh, this really was something that I, I would have done anything at a certain time in my life. I would have done anything to not be gay. And believe that as that reality became inescapable, that, that it might cost uh, the chance to serve in uniform or in office. Now, that's a very clever way to put it. He would have done anything. He would have done anything except not do it. What do you mean he would have done anything? What do you mean he would have done anything except, except what? Not do it. People have impulses. You can act on them and not act on them. You could be gay and not act on being gay. You want me to talk about that? Why do you have to act out every feeling that you have? This, again, is a product of the New Age philosophy. If it feels good, do it. If you feel something, do it. Are you assuming that through the history of mankind, more people didn't feel these impulses? Of course they did. And civilizations have come and gone. But the Bible came along. And you could say, okay, it's fantasy. The Bible is nothing but the poetry of ancient olive growers who imagined somebody came down from a burning book. They don't know what that. Okay, but it was like kind of rules for mankind in the, in the Bible. Now, I'd be like, no, no, the controversial bigotry, homophobia. This, this. Well, why do you think the ancients came up with that rule? Because a lot of guys wanted to make it with another guy. And they, said, they did that. There'd be no tribe. Tribe would have ended. So they came up with, okay, this guy comes up from heaven and says, you can't do it and you can punish and scare everyone, the old olive growers. They stop. Okay, hey, look, Max, I can't meet you anymore over there by the. Can't meet you anymore over by the well. Forget about it. We're not doing it anymore. Stay home with Sarah there. I'm just saying to you, you, you're not looking at it in the right comedic way, which is that people have impulses. It doesn't mean you act on them. So for Pete to say that he wished he didn't and he was and now and he is, so now he's selling it as the reason you should vote for him. So in clip three, let's listen to the next one. Here I am now finding that, that that very same fact that I thought might prevent me from having an impact in the world, at least a certain kind of impact in a certain kind of way. Oh, please. It's actually very much part of the impact I get to have now. I mean, I'm not running to be the gay president of the yes, United you States. Are. I'm running you to be a said. president for everybody. But talk about God having a sense of humor. Now, now you drag God into it. I love that part of it. That's the part I like best. So, you know, I have to ask you, and I know the answer already. Um, is America ready for its first gay president? In my opinion, 100% not. And you say, well, that's your opinion. No, it's not my opinion. It's, it's my keen analysis. Uh, Hispanic Americans are not oriented in that direction. In fact, they're very macho. They're never going to vote for him. African Americans are very, very skittish about uh, the gay issue. They're not going to vote for him. And you're forgetting about the vast, huge number of black evangelicals. They're not going near him. Well, you know where the white evangelicals stand on the issue. Clearly where we stand on the issue with the Orthodox Jews, there's an issue. So how can you think the man could ever become president? It's just an argument that needs to be discussed because it's being presented for us to discuss. And... Uh, if you look at his policies rather than his sexual orientation, they're no different than Bernie Sanders. He's a radical leftist, which is a pathway for citizenship for illegal aliens. Uh, Health care planets like Bernie Sanders, uh, mildly the same as Bernie Sanders. The global warming fantasy, again, the, the obsession with these issues. Virtually every issue that occasional Cortex and Sanders and the others push, 
uh, Pete believes in, but to a lesser degree. And America is not there yet. They're never going to be there because why? Because it's all hogwash. Okay, when I come back, all these topics and more right here on The Savage Nation. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. I could do eight shows right now. There's so many other things I want to talk about. But at uh, the bottom of the hour, we have a guest on who's the head of ClimateDepot.com. And he's the author of The Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change. He totally opposes the whole concept of uh, global warming. We have to change the world. Now, I have him on because he wants... I asked him on to debunk the PBS series on polar extremes, carbon dioxide, global warming, and we're going to have that discussion. Concurrent with it is a soundbite from the PBS series, which I recommend, by the way, although their conclusions may be faulty. The presentation is fabulous. A fortune was spent on that PBS series. Let's hear clip number two just for a taste of it on the CO2 rise. Uh, in, in on the globe. Let's listen to O2 if we can. For the most it. part, the ups and downs in the CO2 seem to be in sync with the natural cycles we see in our climate history. But as we get into the more recent past, something changes. The amount of CO2 that we've added to the atmosphere that's now raised us up to 400 parts per million, that takes us way out of whatever boundaries existed over the last 800,000 years. This occurs since basically the Industrial Revolution. So it's the last 150 years or so. Mostly. Oh, let's stop right there. Now, now, as you know, I've studied this before, and I'm not an expert in science, in climate science, but I can read literature, whether it be in medicine or in climate. If you have a PhD that's from a good university, you learn how to read data. And in my book, Government Zero, which helped put Donald Trump in office, I wrote a chapter on uh, the issue of climate in zero science and i talked about inconvenient research the vostok ice core samples and they're very interesting the ice core samples and i'll tell you about them when i come back and we'll look at amongst other things the history of temperature and carbon dioxide over the past four hundred twenty thousand years and you may be surprised by my conclusion michael savage a host like no other Welcome back to the uh, Savage Nation. So let me preface where we're at with God, God to this segment. Okay, uh, PBS has a series out now on polar extremes, and I was uh, drawn into it by the astounding photography. The amount of money they spent on the production is overwhelming. The places they take you on the earth. The scientists look very credible to me, not like uh, zealots or crazy people. So I watched it, and of course, I knew they would take me to the uh, uh, climate change thing and explain we're all going to die, which they did eventually. Now, you know, let me just preface this again in another way. We on the side uh, that opposes this whole hysteria are not winning the argument for a number of reasons. The young, the youth, have been programmed or brainwashed into believing this is a crisis that has to be resolved, it's an existential crisis, or they're all going to die. They're actually, from the time they go to school, taught this. We're never going to win by saying they're all crazy and just dismiss them. The only way we're going to win the argument is by slow and methodical discussion, which is what I want to do today. So let me begin before I introduce the guest. Going back to one simple piece of data, which is the Vostok Ice Core Samples, which is in my book, Government Zero, and it's important data for a number of reasons. It was, obtain, it was obtained by drilling down into the ice above, above Lake Vostok in Antarctica to a depth of 10,000 feet. Okay, you got that so far? French and Russian scientists went down 10,000 feet. They pulled up deep core samples and allowed them to look at, among other things, the history of temperature and carbon dioxide over the past 420,000 years. And guess what? The samples did show that increases in carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide always accompanied increases in temperature. Okay, do we have that? We agree on that. Increases in CO2 always accompanied increases in temperature. But the increases in temperature always came first. The increases in CO2 consistently lagged behind temperature increases by about 800 years. So... That proves that increased levels of CO2 in the atmosphere did not cause warming. How could it have 
if it didn't happen until after the warming. This knocks over the whole house of cards, but there's more that I need you to look into. And I can't do it all for you at this at this juncture. But again, we on this side of rationality are not going to win simply by calling them crazies. So joining us right now is someone on our side, Mark Morano, founder of ClimateDepot.com, a great website. Mark, where are you on line 10? Welcome to the Savage Nation. Thank you, Michael. I'm happy to be here. Mark, did you see the PBS series on Polar Extremes, by the way? Yes, I just watched it uh, actually earlier today, and I'm actually very familiar with all these claims. I actually took a trip to Greenland with the, when I was working at the United States Senate Environment and Public Works Committee and heard the, 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 uh, the Danish government at the time hosted us, all the same propaganda. But when I looked into it, like particularly on their claims about Greenland, which I was very familiar, absolute nonsense and bunk what they're trying to scare us with in this documentary even well, wait let, let's tell the audience what they say about greenland just so they catch up well at one point he actually says if all of greenland's ice melts uh you know it would raise sea level you know 20 feet and, that, and then he says the same thing about antarctica and then they show they start talking about the last two decades oh it's warmed and if these trends continue what they don't mention is that and i have these at climate depot and i have these in my book the politically incorrect guide to climate change is that you go back, and in the 1920s, in the 1930s, all sorts of sea level rise, Arctic melt, Greenland's going to melt, Antarctica's going to melt, Washington, D.C. is going to be underwater, which is what he said in this documentary again. He did the same thing Al Gore, Florida would be underwater. He's giving theoretical, the same theoretical extreme scenario nonsense, which isn't even uh, geologically possible on any time scales. In fact, let me tell you, that I think it was... Well, what, what, what would cause all of the ice on Greenland to melt, according to them? Well, they, oh, the other thing he does is he brings up this Venus, that we're going to have a hothouse, runaway greenhouse effect. Well, first of all, just so you know, the, the peer-reviewed literature, it would take 12,500 years to melt half of the Greenland ice sheet, okay? Let me wow, thank God. Study. I got a few years I, left. So that's, you know, we're talking 20, 25,000 years and he's talking about Florida being underwater. So what he did, he had a very good move, uh, you know, production overall. Yeah, don't you agree that the production was first class, one of the greatest productions I've ever seen? Yeah, the, they had stunning, I guess they used drones over the ice and helicopters. But who, by the way, who was the narrator? Where did they get this guy? He was very convincing, Kirk Johnson. Who is he? Very good. He's, he, here's what he is, and this is the problem. Very well credentialed. His name's Kirk Johnson. He's the... He's the staff director at the Smithsonian Natural History Museum. And, if you, and I just actually was at the Natural History Museum, coincidentally, last month in January here in Washington, D.C. And it is just all about going green and recycling and sustainability and the climate crisis and getting kids involved. So he's got a government political mission. And I think yes. that's what he turned decent science and a great presentation into a hack documentary. He did, by the way, the first half is, to, is superb. And then, of course, they lead you step by step into the hysteria of Greta Dunberg. Uh, and you realize why Greta Dunberg is hysterical is because they've been misled by people like this. Well, the most frustrating thing about this thing is they just kept like you open the show, just, just this open the segment, just mentioning it. It's the temperature that leads CO2, not CO2 leading temperature. In other words, right, hold on. So I made that point. So what what caused temperatures to rise to begin with in your estimation the theory on that is the outgassing this the oceans store the co2 and as they uh as they warm up the co2 would go up but so that but the temperature goes up first and then the co2 level comes up generally speaking from the outgassing of the carbon dioxide from the ocean but here's what they didn't do they kept talking about they'd give cherry pick different timelines trying to correlate that yeah. but if yeah. you actually correlate temperature and co2 it's not there. In fact, we've had ice ages when CO2 was 2,000 parts per million, as high as 8,000 parts per million. And we're only at 400 parts per million now. We've had similar temperatures when uh, we've had 20 times higher CO2 levels than today. <laughs> this is yeah, well, okay. Let's, let, look, you and I both understand what we're talking about, but I want to slow it up for a minute for a general audience for a minute. Let's make it simple. Dinosaur era had five times today's CO2. That's a good fact, isn't it? Yes. And that, you know, that ended, I guess, what, 67 million years ago, the last dinosaur died, so roughly. Right. So during the dinosaur era, CO2 levels were five times higher than today, and life still existed on the planet. So yeah, in fact, what the, that's my whole point. 
So let's talk about the politics of this whole issue. Okay. Uh, well, here's what- how many? Well, we keep hearing from from demagogues like Bernie Sanders. Ninety-eight percent of all scientists agree that the, the, the global warming group and unless we, okay, ninety-eight percent. What percent of actual scientists disagree with that theory? Well, you know, it depends on the question. Is now, if you ask the question, "Is the Earth warming?" That's a loaded question, Michael. Here's what people don't realize. Peer-reviewed studies show that the Roman warming period of around the time of 0 A.D. was as warmer, warmer than today. And then the, Rome, the medieval warm period from, you know, from 900 to 1300 was as warm or warmer than today. But since the thermometers went on record in the late you know, 19th century, so 1850, 1870, 1880, and the U.S. has the best record, we've warmed. But that was the end of the, of the Little Ice Age. So, of course, we've warmed since thermometer data has come on. But to answer your question, when they claim 97% of scientists agree, Al Gore's now bumped it up to 99. The studies report oh. it. One of them wasn't even 97 scientists. It was 77 anonymous scientists, which they tortured the data down from 10,000-plus scientists. And another study, a U.N. scientist looked at a lead UN, United Nations scientist and said it was literally pulled from thin air, the 97% number. It was designed <laughs> a political talking point. So you don't have to understand the science. And, and by the way, how could a scientist disagree with this and get any government funding right now? It's almost impossible. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, this is a David versus Goliath. The skeptical scientists, they are literally stripped of, of their seniority, of, of their titles at universities. They're fired. They're ruined. They're, you know, if you are a young scientist, they're only looking for the scientists willing to toe the line. The government. That's right. That's right. It's affirmative action of science. And, and you, have to, you have to toe the party line. You know, I, I compared what's going on with climate science today to what the Russians did, the Soviets did under Stalin uh, with the issue of, uh, of genetics. The Lysenko affair is almost identical. Anyone who disagreed was thrown out of the scientific academies to, to Lysenko's fraudulent uh, uh, statements about, about genetics. You know the whole story of that, I'm sure. Yes, I do. And that's actually in my book and in, in, our, in our movie. We actually have a movie coming out, Climate Hustle 2. Huh. We interviewed, we interviewed the, uh, Ch- the former Czech president, Vaclav Klaus, who literally says that the greatest threat to liberty today, since the fall of the Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc, is what he called ambitious environmentalism, which is the climate movement. And he goes on to say that... Well, how, does a, how does a child, Greta Dunberg, how does a child like Greta Dunberg get nominated for a Nobel Prize, other than by the fact that the Nobel Prize Committee is so left-wing that it's, it's useless? Well, that's a good, you know, same that Al Gore and the United Nations Climate Panel, which, by the way, the chair of the climate panel of the U.N. said, global warming is my religion, and that's in quotes. Oh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Peace prize. These are peace prizes for political activism. Uh, and, and, and actually, I interviewed the, uh, I, we feature in our film, the Nobel Prize winning physicist, actually won it for science back in the 1970s, Dr. Ivar Giever, who ridicules the whole thing and says global warming has become the religion. But Greta is going to win this award because she's saying the right things and she is probably, uh, you know, represents the great. She has replaced Al Gore, Leonardo DiCaprio and everyone else as the face of the global warming movement. But, but Mark, Mark, you know, this morning I made a, a soft boiled egg, a hard boiled egg. You know, a hard boiled egg is very difficult to make. A child has to be taught how to make a hard boiled egg and they have to learn it from a parent just as a baby bird needs to learn how to hunt. Uh, for food, so does a baby, a, a human being, have to learn how to think and, and how to analyze things. You don't turn to a person who probably doesn't know how to boil an egg for advice on science. How is this even possible? It's possible because this is how the left wants to fight now. They literally, we've had 30 years of Gallup polling since 1989. They just never could move the needle, the needle on the public opinion to get people to care. So they wisely, I should say wisely, meaning they, you know, they strategically wisely went after children. Leonardo DiCaprio announced years ago, we have to get kids young. Al Gore's... Per- well, why is, wait, why is DiCaprio a known a womanizer, a skirt chaser, a party animal who flies around in, in his own private jet as a huge yacht, which, which belches carbon dioxide? How does he get away with this? He gets away with it because it's the right message, and this is what the media promotes. Actually, we go after him in the movie. His yacht was actually leased from Middle East oil tycoons. He's even this, <laughs> but oh god, these the, the hypocrisy is is worse than hip hop music. I got to tell you. 
<laughs> well, look, we, we, you know, we got to maintain a sense of humor over all of this or else we're going to go crazy. Before you go, Mark Marino, he has a great website, which I linked up to, by the way, finally on michaelsavage.com. You can go directly. It doesn't matter to me. But the uh, website that everyone should go to is, where is it? I hope it's up there. I don't know what they do with it. Gee. ClimateDepot.com. But we there it is. ClimateDepot.com. It has real climate news. And Mark Marino is the head of this great operation. But wait, before you go, remember a few years ago we found out that the IPCC data was completely fudged? Has that been proven to be so? Yeah, in my book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change, we have a whole chapter on this. And what it was was the leaked emails showed that the top U.N. scientists were colluding to create essentially a campaign narrative where any scientist who spoke off-message, so to speak, was threatened, thrown out, and <laughs> and essentially journal editors of peer-reviewed science journals were threatened. They suppressed Freedom of Information Act. What, what they did, they had their own, in, the global warming industry investigated itself and basically said nothing here to see. One of the investigations at Penn State University of Michael Mann said, well, this guy is so prominent, the media, he's so well in the media and makes so much money, he couldn't have possibly done anything wrong. But there was no proper <laughs> investigation, but, but many other scientists just called it outright fraud. Pure uh, Mark, you are really impassioned with your subject. I could see why you run climatedepot.com and how you wrote the Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change. And I want to uh, open the door to you, to the Savage Nation, for another future call. Uh, I, I read this morning that plug-in hybrid cars emit three times more CO2 than official figures suggest because they're heavier than petrol vehicles, and people are forgetting to plug them in. How do you like that one? Michael, it's worse than that. Seventy percent <laughs> of the cobalt in the world comes from the Democratic Republic of Congo, comes from Africa. <laughs> Chinese firms and all them, they're mining this. Oh, God, it gets worse. Child labor exploitation. Oh, no, worse than that. So now I've got to worry about that on top of it all. I don't sleep well enough as it is, Mark. Mark, well, not allowed to here, <laughs> Mark allowed I want to thank you. ClimateDepot.com for real climate news. Mark Marino, keep it up. You're great. I'll be right back. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. Global warming seems to be controlling the size of the horses. Over just a few thousand years, rapid warming turned the lush vegetation from subtropical wetlands to drier forests. I think horses are getting Even smaller. Even variations in temperature. Shut, please, quiet. Greta Dunberg is listening. She's liable to break down. Uh, scientist says... Um, as we have more carbon dioxide released into the atmosphere, animals are going to get smaller, including the horses. So I'm saying maybe we should all go out and buy a bottle of seltzer and let out more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere before the election so that Mike Bloomberg could ride one of the small horses onto the uh, uh, debate stage. I mean, it might help him. If we make the horses small enough down to the size of Equus, Bloomberg could actually ride one, and that would help the, Demo the Democrats. We've we got to help them any way we can because they have a crazy person leading the party right now who rips pages up and calls it the Ita an Italian thing. Did you hear that excuse this morning from her daughter? Oh, man, they're covering for her. Oh, yeah, ripping papers up and showing a sign of dementia and a loss of control is an Italian thing? What an insult that is to Italians. I don't know. I've known a lot of Italian women in my life. I never saw any of them rip papers up and throw them in the air, even in their own house, let alone in front of the world to watch. But nevertheless, this has nothing to do with global warming unless there's an awful lot of carbon dioxide in Pelosi's mansion which may explain some of the brain damage that she has suffered. Well, there it is. The Penguin and the Pencil continue to call for more investigations of Donald Trump. That would be Nadler and Schiff, the Penguin and the Pencil. We've talked about climate change, social change, radio change, and the change in your pocket today on The Savage Nation. I hope you've enjoyed the program. If you missed any of it, uh, you can catch it on the podcast later on in the day. Thanks for listening. With, Scott, with God's will and your listenership, I shall return. The Westwood One Podcast Network.